Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for meeting us at every turn, every point of our need, every attack of the enemy to destroy us. He didn't just come to steal. He wasn't satisfied even with killing. He wanted to destroy your people. But you stood there and you kept us. And we are here standing in the house of God. All we can say, Father, is thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I pray, Father, continue to meet your people at the point of need, Lord. And this hour now, for both the children who are going down, the teachers who are teaching them, your servants who are preaching everywhere, and to us here, Lord, our need is your anointing. For your word says, it's the anointing that teaches all things. So your word says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. It's the anointing that sets us free. It's the anointing that heals. It's the anointing that delivers. It is the anointing that sets the oppressed free. So we are praying for an anointing for everyone. Everyone, Lord. Anoint us and use us for your glory now and forever, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Little ones are released and the bigger ones can come to the front. Nice to see we have both Davids in the house of God today. We have David from Chennai and family and we have brother David and Bina also here. Okay. Come. There are seats. Seats. A lot of seats. Still one seat here. Here vacant. Yes. Yes. Albert. You are temporarily single. Come. That's another three people we are waiting to see, especially the twins. You have to see the picture. They are growing and growing. Whenever they come here, it will be a surprise. The twins. We'll have a twin surprise. Are we ready? Since I already prayed, we'll go straight into the word of God. I hope... The Spirit of God, through me, as I help you to recollect your memory, will bring to our remembrance what He has done. He has done. It's a perfect salvation. It's an absolutely perfect, complete salvation that God worked through His Son on the cross. That's why His birth is different. He was a child was born to die. He came for that very simple purpose. He came to die. We all are born to live. Born to live. He was born to die. So you can never detach the cross from the manger. You cannot detach it because if you detach it, his birth is like any other birth. So what happened on the cross? What happened on the cross? That's why I said put away your cricket, uh, sorry, not cricket, Christmas decorations from your mind and uh, come to the word of God because the word of God is what will set us free. So we saw a few weeks back what happened on the cross. 
he was punished that we would be forgiven voluntarily voluntarily willingly he was punished so that you and i would be forgiven he was wounded so that we would be healed so don't carry sickness this season and the 13 days to go if you are sick a continuing sickness seek god and ask lord why where is the root is there a curse in my family is there a curse in my family is it inherited or do you want me to carry it so that lord you know i need this to remain humble because your calling on my life will otherwise make me proud sometimes when you ask certain things like i said you never have to doubt about doubts you can always go to god your doubts will be cleared okay because when i had issues in my life when i went to him and he told me one day he said i mean i'm not going to explain it to you what it is but he said one wall in your house in your house in your life will be always down and i will keep it till i take you to keep you humble because i'm giving to you into your hands a ministry otherwise that will get into your head so i'm okay with that wall down because i know it is ordained okay so he told paul i will give you an affliction here in in your in your flesh till agent of satan people on your right left center everyone will get delivered but you will not be delivered because i want to protect you okay he was wounded so that you and i could be healed he became sin for us understand this he did not become a sinner he became sin for us the entire humanity's sin from adam to the last man was put on him and he became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of god in him the exchange he was cursed cursed is the man who hangs on the cross so that we would be blessed with the spirit of god the blessing of abraham would come upon us the very spirit of god is god's blessing that's how we are saved if you do not have the spirit of god you are not saved the proof of your salvation is the spirit of god in you that is the blessing of abraham in your seed all nations shall be blessed you know why we were blessed because christ was cursed he tasted death for all of us so that we would have eternal life life without end life of god he became poor so that we would have abundance we would have abundance always enough to give away somebody somewhere as the spirit leads he will show and he will give through us he was rejected on the cross by everybody rejected on the cross so that you and i would be accepted in him he endured the unbelievable shame on the cross 
The shame. There's nothing more shameful in the Roman Empire to be crucified. It was kept for the rebels and non-Romans. That's why Peter was crucified and Paul was executed because by law, a Roman citizen cannot be hung on the cross. Specific punishment kept for the worst of the Gentiles in the Roman Empire. It's not just a curse, it was a shame to hang there, the most excruciating, painful, shameful hanging there in public view, naked on the cross, so that we would receive his righteous covering, his glory and his virtue. So when you think about Christmas, think about the Son of Man who hung on the cross. It's not a sentimental thing. It's a spiritual exchange that took place on the cross. That's what happened on the cross. And how does it become real for me? How does it become real for me? It is by identification. It is by identification. I have to identify with him. Daily. Over time. Daily. And we believe. We have to believe. Lord, one day. One day. In this life itself. Not the coming. Eternal. This life itself. I long for that day when I will be completely identified with you. And I will be able to say like your servant Paul, I no longer love. I no longer love. But Christ loves in me. A divine exchange and an identification. What is that? I died with him. I was buried with him. I was made alive together with him. I was raised up together with him. And I am seated with him. So Paul says, if you are seated with him, if, if you are seated with him, set your mind on things above. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. I believe my answer should be, should be almost right. If you are seated with him, and the saints who are in their hearts and minds seated with him, and the saints who have gone ahead of him, then almost everything except one thing. So what is the question in their mind? When are you returning? When are you coming back? So if you are seated with him, what's your mind on? When are you coming back? Those who are with him are asking him, when are we going back? Those who are here are asking, when are you coming back? That's what the Bible, read the word of God. Those who are longing for the appearance of Christ, their life is completely different. Absolutely different. Because Paul almost says that if you are not longing for the appearance of Christ, it is almost impossible for the Holy Spirit to change you. Because your change is according to your longing. According to your longing. So if we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Our mind, even when our foot is firmly on planet earth, our head is in the clouds. Because he is coming back in the clouds. 
So going back to Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, just quite 60 second recap. That's how we began the year, right? It's right here before you. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Your dissonance will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. That's what I said. Only when your head is, your heart, your mind, head, I mean your heart, mind is in heaven, all these things will make sense. So I pray. You've been stretched. You've been stretched. And still 30 days of stretching left to go. Keep saying, Lord, stretch me. And I want to stretch myself. I want to enlarge myself. And you do it through me. For Christ cannot be limited. Christ cannot, I can be limited. But Christ cannot be limited. Help me, Lord. Don't look to the left or the right or anybody else, Lord. Me. Me. Stretch me, Lord. Okay. So keep that in the back of your mind as we finish the next two weeks and we enter into a new promise with a new year. New promise. Because the gospel is very, very simple. Paul talks about the simplicity. Gospel is very simple. Like I said, if you got a notebook or you got a smartphone, if you like Pastor Bidya, bring your laptop. Pastor Bidya won't stop with a notebook or anything. He will bring his laptop and type the entire message on it. Okay. Because it's, it is true, before the message is over, you would have forgotten almost 80 to 90% of it. But if you write it down, you will remember the major part of it, the important part of it. That's why we tell you to write. Gospel is very simple. It's a gospel of grace. It's entirely the work of God. For the man who believes and obeys, God works through him. It's entirely the work of God. Entirely the work of God, but God works through him or through her. That's what it's called faith. That's what it all faith has works. It is called the obedience of faith. Romans 1, 5 and 6, Paul says, through him we have received grace. Apostleship, in your case, in my case, say a job profile. Whatever God has called you to be. Whatever it is right now. He has given me grace and a work for obedience to faith. The obedience to the faith among all nations, whichever nation you are in, wherever locality you are in. First you need grace. Then you need a job profile. Then you need the obedience that comes from faith. And no man will boast because he will realize from his salvation till his end, it was faith and faith alone. That's why Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God of salvation for everyone who believes. For who believes? Not for everyone. Everyone who believes. 
for the Jew first, also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. So many things that happens over there. As you go by faith, the righteousness of God is being continuously added to your life. To your life. Okay. So the Bible is saying, the gospel is very, very simple. But it's not easy. That's what people, everybody told me. Math is very easy. Very simple. But it was not easy. Gospel is very simple, but it is not easy. You know why it is not easy? It is not easy because there are enemies of the gospel. Enemies of the gospel. Romans 8 and verse 8. The worst enemy. Then who are in the flesh cannot please God. Another verse will say, the carnal mind, that is Romans uh, Seven, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, you put it. Yeah. The carnal mind. The worst enemy. Because the carnal mind is in enmity. I wanted that word. Enmity against God. Can you imagine that your mind and my mind is actually against God and against the gospel? Don't think our minds are kosher. They are not. The more you feed that mind, you are actually inside becoming a bigger and a bigger and a bigger rebel. Rebel. So don't be surprised that you sit there like a pickle in a jar and don't react to the gospel at all because you are feeding consistently. You're not learning subjects anymore. You're feeding that mind. And that mind is in absolute enmity against God. And so don't be surprised that the minute you step out of the confines of the church, how you flip like a coin back into the world and your thinking is absolutely carnal because that's the mind in which you operate. And that mind is against God. So your worst enemy, it's not the devil or the world, your worst enemy is yourself. My worst enemy has never been been people or the world or the devil. My worst enemy in my life has been me, myself. It's true for everybody. And then, of course, the devil and the world system outside. The world, the devil, the ruler of the world, and he controls our mind through the world system. Look at a couple of verses and how many times Jesus uses the word world over there. If the John 15, 18 and if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So if the world does not hate you, that means you are of the world. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. How many times has he used the word world there? In two verses. 
This is red letter in your Bible, meaning Jesus' own words. Look at that. One, two, three, four, five. So you got an enemy inside. You got an enemy outside. Not people, the whole system. There are people there actively working. Actively working. But there's a system out there. There is a system out there which wants and feeds our carnal mind. And God has given a will to us. So don't say, I cannot. You can, I can, we all can. We have to choose. To choose. Nobody's sitting here. Nobody's sitting here. When it comes to the mind, had to go through what I went through. Because you really want to get your mind destroyed, take humanities and go to a research university. Day in and day out. It's an attack on the gospel. It's an attack on the gospel. Not directly, very subtly through ideas. Through ideas. And everything, song, music, newspaper, magazines, every TV show, everything, you don't realize it's very subtle. It's very subtle. And ideas put in. And ideas put in. And ideas and put in. And without realizing, people are changing. Not towards the word, but towards the world. And inside the rebel is growing. So you have to choose. It's simple. You've got to put a price tag on your soul. You have to. Because he poured out his soul for your and my salvation. You have to put a price tag on your soul. So there he is. Okay. So when we make these confessions, died, buried, alive, raised, seated, and you are seated above and you are committed to obedience each day. You may fall a day, get up and go back and be seated. When you look down from heaven into the world, though you are living in the earth, your mind is in heaven. When you look down in the world, your perspective is completely different. And people don't understand you, they misunderstand you, and they ignore you, or they mock you, or they scoff you. It is perfectly fine with you because your perspective is different. Look at 1 John 2.17. This is your perspective. The world is passing away. The world is passing away. That's how you see it. It's passing away. Just passing away. And the lust thereof it. It's passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Perspective is completely different. It's passing away. How much time would you waste on something that is passing away? How much attention, resources, energy do you want to put on something that is passing away? It's passing away. This is perspective. That is how you know. How you know you are seated and you are thinking and therefore the actions follow. Because the body goes where the mind goes. You do not act out anything which you haven't thought out before. Unless somebody is poking your eye. It's called reflex action. You don't have to think. The eye will shut on its own. And sometimes sin becomes like that. You don't think anymore. You just do it. That's become your nature. 
First Peter. Chapter 5, verses 5 to 10. So therefore, what should I do? So what should I do? I submit to this. Right? I just want you to as homework, if you didn't listen, and if you already listened, go back and again listen to yesterday's word. I don't usually tell you to go listen to my word. It wasn't in my word. It was his word. Serious issues people have. I had. You had. You all have. It's our issues that will take us to hell or issues that will take our crowns away. Okay? So we need grace. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God clothes you with righteousness. God says, we clothe ourselves with humility. For God resists the proud. Very dangerous statement. But gives grace to the humble. That's one of, that's, that's, that's why we are fasting. Why? The Bible tells us one of the way we can humble ourselves before us, before God, is by afflicting our soul by fasting. You know when you fast a couple of days of fasting, your mind is only on food. I was telling Pastor Peter, never in these so many years. I mean, only he knows. I didn't even tell my wife because she would laugh at me. I said, do you know what I was searching on internet? Taza online on pork products. And I don't eat pork. I used to eat pork. So the taste is at the corner of your mind somewhere. It's a test and a challenge for us because everything God said in the Old Testament don't eat are the tastiest. And I can certify to it. And third day onwards, first two days, you are wounded. Third day, you are healed. But I am telling you, first you have to, like, you have two choices. Either your belly is God, or out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Everybody fasts in the world, but they fast for their own will. The difference is our fasting should be for God's will. And I'm telling you straight again and again what I told the pastors on Saturday. If you do not, starting from now to 2022 onwards, if you do not make fasting your lifestyle, I'm telling you, you will not make through what is coming. Because each one will have to personally hear from God. You will need direction. And if your soul is not humbled, you may hear and think it is God when it is not God. So be careful. Humble yourself. God never says in the Bible, I will humble you. He humbles the proud. He does it. But he does not say that. He says that, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What will he do? That in due season, 
he will exalt you. It's on us. So go through the Bible. We have been teaching every prayer day, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday and Friday, different ways in which we can consciously choose to humble ourselves. We have to choose. We have to choose. Have to choose. We have to make that choice. There are ways in the Bible. Jesus himself has taught us how we can choose. When you consistently choose, you know what? Something happens to your soul without even you realizing. You are, like I said, the entire new covenant is not about doing. It's about becoming. And you don't even realize it. But you are becoming humble. You are becoming humble. Why? Because you choose to obey the word of God. And one of the ways is fasting. Just one of the ways. Next verse. Casting all your care upon him. Not some, not most, not many. All. Put it down there and get up. If you're worried, it's because you put it and took it. If you're anxious, it's because you put it and you took it. If you're afraid, because you put it and you took it. The Bible says, cast all your care. Because he cares for you. Then comes the warning. Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Sobriety of the mind. Don't let nonsense get into your head. Watch what you read. Watch what you watch. Watch what you hear. These are the gateways. If you do this, automatically we'll watch what you say. One of the international seminars, my supervisor in IFLU was hosted international seminar. We had profs coming from all over the world to do a seminar. It takes a year to do the whole processing and everything. So he started the seminar work, got a grant from the UGC, and then he went on a fellowship to US for seven months, six months. And he gave me the key of his office and said, you do the seminar work. So I sat in the professor's office and I did the paperwork and everybody thought I was the prof. <laughs> New people were coming. But that was not the point. The point was the name of the seminar was In Word Out. In Word Out. See, secular also uses it. Meaning what goes in is what comes out. In, word, out. Okay. In, word, out. So be sober. Be vigilant. Sobriety is one thing. Vigilance is another thing. We have department of vigilance. Many of them are drunk. Just because you're sober does not mean you're vigilant. Okay? One is being sober. Other is being alert. Alert. If you see the National Geography NG channels, you will see the cheetah is hiding. And you will see one deer, it's ear perking up. Alert. That's the leader of the pack. And then you watch its tail. It starts bobbing up and down. That is a signal to the rest of the herd. 
And you watch the tail of the, uh, the lion. It goes still and the tip starts, meaning it's getting ready to leap. So ever you accost a lion in the jungle, watch its tail. First run. <laughs> if you can't, watch its tail. Be alert. There is a lion out there. Lion out there. Seeking whom he may devour. And then what should you do? Resist him. First, humble yourself. Humble. The whole thing is, submit to everybody, humble yourself, clothe yourself with humility, and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then resist Him. Resist Him. Please don't assist Him. The humble resist Him. The proud assist Him. So if you are sitting here, with your nose up, your your imaginary nose up in the sky, you are assisting the devil, not assisting the Spirit of God. You are not resisting him. You are assisting him. Don't assist the devil. Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. Steadfast. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There is nothing any one of us is going through. You can name it. Somebody else hasn't gone through already in these 2000 years after they became believers. So don't magnify your problems. It is common to mankind. Resist. Steadfast in faith. But may the God of all grace, we come back to grace, God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while, you will suffer a while. A while may be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but in the light of eternity, it's just a while. It's just momentary afflictions. If you ask Paul, from when to when? From the time I became a believer till I died. But nothing. You will be made what? Steadfast in faith, the God of all grace will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. And that's the place you and I have to come to. While we are living, we have come to a place where we are settled. I'm settled in my faith, not turning back anymore, not turning to the left or no right. Settled. Settled. Don't be settled like Ephraim or Moab, but settled in God. So one of the things that will happen in the last days, one of the things that will happen in the last days, Second Peter chapter 3, 10 to 12. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, unexpectedly. Please remember that this is a warning over and over and over Jesus gives. It will come unexpectedly. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth, the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? 
That's something the church has the capacity or the power God has given. What can the church do? You can hasten the coming of God. You can speed, like when you watch, you have watched a movie. Or, in my case, when you are listening to a message which you have listened over and over again, what do you do? You fast forward it. You speed it up. These gentlemen do funny things where the speed of is increased. Three times more, okay? 1.5, okay, okay. You can hasten the coming of the Lord. Let me tell you, the real church is hastening the coming of the Lord. I don't know whether we are part of it or not, but the real church out there, unseen, invisible, is hastening the coming of the Lord. They're longing for the appearance of the Lord. Where even kids who are recently saved and hidden by the hand of God in Afghanistan are asking, is Isa coming soon? And they spend hours and hours in worship and in prayer. So there is a real church out there. So the church, that church is on war mode. They're humbling themselves. They pray. They seek. They keep turning. And God is speaking to them. On the other side, if there is a hastening happening, which we do not see, there is on the other side, because before Christ comes, Along with it, almost around the same time, the Antichrist has to come. So you see a hastening on the other side. Unbelievable. The last one year. In an year, the world has changed like it. And I don't think ever in human history of 6,000 years has the world changed so fast in one year. In one year. Everywhere, all around, even in places where you can say it was impossible to change. Let me give you a couple of examples. Other than the West, the COVID restrictions, hostile governments, democratic governments going after their own people, restraining constitutionally guaranteed freedoms, all that thrown out over a virus. Okay, not just that. Unchangeable nations are Muslim nations. Sharia law. Let me tell you what happened in the last few weeks. Take UAE, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Sharjah, UAE. Okay? You go anywhere in the world into any Muslim nation. Friday is a holiday. That's a holiday. But now in the Middle East, it's not Friday. It's Saturday and Sunday. They changed. Sharjah, of course, has given three-day weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Why? To be tolerant and become like the Western liberal democracies. Can you ever imagine in the 1400 years of Islamic history where from Friday weekend becomes Saturday, Sunday? Impossible. The most restricted Muslim nation is Saudi. It's opening up. 
completely. Beaches are opened up. Men and women can mix together like never before. And if you see the videos coming on, it looks like the western beaches. Why? Because everybody has an agenda. It is called 2030. The world is changing right before our eyes because there is a church that is hastening the coming of the Lord. On the other side, they are hastening the coming of their Christ and our Christ. And the world has to become one. Alike, similar. So we need to ask ourselves, where do we stand in this? That's what I said, you need to be careful what you watch, what you hear, because you will go with that stream. That stream. We are coming to the end of the age. I don't know when, but we are coming. In Revelation chapter 12, there is a war. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was the place found for them in heaven any longer. And what happened? So the great dragon was cast out. And his angels were Cast out. He was cast to the earth. The war. This is a conflict which happened ages ago. We don't know when exactly. In Isaiah 14 and verse 12 and then Ezekiel 28, 17. How you have fallen from heaven. Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, 17. Your heart was lifted because of your beauty. You corrupted, okay. That, okay. So I cast you to the ground. So Lucifer, if you go by scripture, who was in the third heaven, was cast down into the second heaven. In Revelation 12, you are seeing him cast down for the second heaven to earth. You don't want to be there when that happens. We can't even handle our lives when he's there. How is life going to be on earth when he has no position there? He's cast down to earth. Okay. Why was he cast down? Because he tried to exalt himself. He tried to exalt himself. And he went down and down and down. He's got one more place, earth, and after that, the lake of fire. Jesus humbled, 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 humbled. Seven are there in Philippians 2. And God raised him up, raised him up, raised him up, raised him up. Seven are there, how he raised him up. Because everyone who exalts will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself, himself, everywhere Jesus says that, will be exalted. So look in eternity and learn, learn practically, practically spiritually to humble ourselves because you know what? The day of exaltation is coming. So Revelation 12.10 Yeah, 12.11 And he was cast down onto earth. The people on earth, one set of people on earth are not even bothered when it is happening. 
Because they are joined in the spiritual battle. There's a battle taking place over there. There's a battle taking place over here. And what do they do? The Bible says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdoms of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of brethren who accused them day before our God. Day and night has been cast down. He's been cast down. Okay. The church is not the real church. That is in tune with the spirit of God is not afraid. It's not anxious. It is not fear because the church knows the promises of God. It is through the promises of God we partake of the life of Christ. Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. God says the church is not going to go over like with a whimper. Moaning and crying, no. She will go from here victorious, glorious. And when she goes, Satan would be under her feet. Under her feet. Okay. Revelation 12.11 says, how did she do that? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. That's how they overcame him. The devil and his forces were overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And third, they did not love their lives even unto death. Meaning no self-life. The self is completely dead. The other side is absolutely committed. Absolutely committed. Let me ask this question. Are you committed? Are you committed? Think about it. Next month, Peter will leave. It's a huge loss for me, personally, until he comes back. How God works it out, I do not know. But I trust God, he'll come back. Why will I miss him? Because he's one person, absolutely committed. Pastor Vijay, me and my wife, we are we are full-time ministers. Full-time. Then there are a few people who are absolutely committed. Can bank on them. They study, they work. But their word is their word. Can bank on them. Peter, Sammy, Dr. Richard. Now a couple of more are coming in. Avinash. Just a few people. Commit. It's not that they're there Always. But you can bank on them. The yes is yes, the no is no. Very rarely is there a no. They are not volunteers. I never ask them to volunteer. and never ask them to commit themselves. They committed themselves. And whatever... Because there's only one point on planet earth where the kingdom of God touches. It's the church. You should be committed to something of the kingdom of God in your life. Whatever small or big. And it's not before man. It is before God. Committed. And it's not just enough being committed. There's another side of being committed. In the past two years of COVID, we've been there together practically the whole week. Week after week, month after month, to be committed and not to be offended. It's not easy. 
Let me ask you all those people who work in secular places. Have you worked in your office without getting offended with anybody? Without your boss? That's what it means. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony. No offense. Absolute commitment. And everywhere in the world, the church runs on a few people like that. I'm not saying you should come to the church office seven days a week. I'm saying whatever you do, you should be absolutely committed to it. And absolutely not offended. Offense is a killer. Lack of commitment. It will take you nowhere in the kingdom of God. Committed. That's how they overcome the devil. Because the devil either will cause offense or will cause lack of commitment. These are the results of identification. There is an identification. There has to be the result of identification in our lives. So we have two testimonies we live. A testimony before God and a testimony before the devil. Man will misunderstand. Devil will never misunderstand you. He understands you. Like I told many, many times in the past, at the end of the day, there are only two people who need to know your name. God and the devil. No man knows your name. It is fine. God doesn't know your name. It would be a tragedy. I do not know you. The devil does not know your name. That means you are no trouble to him. You assist him. Oh, that's my assistant. So we have two testimonies. Before God, submit. Before the devil, resist. Humble thyself in the sight of God. Why? Because we can do nothing without God, without his spirit. He's the one in charge now. He's the one always been in charge. People don't see it. In one place, Jesus said, if I cast down, if I cast out the demons, the devils, by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come. So there is a race, a clash, and the first sign of the clash is the demonic starts leaving you, backing off from you. Why? The spirit of God has come. Another place he says, if I by the finger of God cast out the demons, the spirit, one is in Matthew, the other is in Luke. One is in Matthew 12, other is in Luke 11, if I'm right. So the question is, the Spirit of God is the finger of God. It's the finger of God. It's the finger of God. Pastor Vijay will go ahead of me because like, no, he knows where I am going. Hebrews 10, verse 14. For by one offering, one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being, we are being sanctified. We are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before. How does he sanctify? By the Holy Spirit. 
And how does the Holy Spirit sanctify? Verse 16. I didn't give you, sorry. 16 and 17 I need. 16. How does he sanctify? The finger of God. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. The law was outside. The Holy Spirit is inside. That's a different. Let me tell you. If the Holy Spirit does not write in your hearts, my ministry from here is worth nothing. That's why the Bible says, the anointing will teach you. And if the Holy Spirit is not writing in your hearts, that also means you're resisting him. The entire new covenant ministry is a writing of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and in the minds of people. And the result of it, I will write their hearts, in their minds will I write them. And verse 17, then their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. When the Holy Spirit writes in your heart and it becomes your life, you walk a life absolutely free of condemnation. Because you know whose you are and who has set you free. Because it is written in your hearts. Free of condemnation. How do you know? Because it is written in my heart that my lawless deeds I and my sins he remembers no more. Do you see that? That's why the pastor prays for the anointing and the congregation prays for the anointing. And you are awake to conviction. Because when the Holy Spirit puts his finger in a message, one and a half hours long, two hours long, the Holy Spirit might put a finger on one place and says, deal with that. Very gentle. Pastor may shout, he's very gentle. So don't listen with your ears. Oh, pastor is shouting. No, listen to the other voice. Gentle, honestly. Get rid of that. Get rid of anger. Get rid of offense. Get rid of jealousy. Doesn't bring the righteousness of God. You know what I'm working in you? The righteousness of God. You're angry because your righteousness has been touched. You're upset because your righteousness has been touched. You're offended because your righteousness is worth nothing. I'm working the righteousness of my son. He puts a finger there. He doesn't put a fist. He puts a finger. He puts a finger. Listen to that voice. The voice of conviction. Never condemnation. Never condemns. But a voice of conviction. He writes with his finger. But, Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You can resist Him. They were full head full of scripture and they resist the Holy Spirit. They knew the scripture by heart. And they preached the scriptures and they resisted the Holy Spirit. They would never allow the Holy Spirit to put a finger on their life or right in their hearts, or right in their minds. And God said, you resist my spirit. Don't resist him. Assist him. Allow the Holy Spirit to write in your hearts. Touch. Touch 
touch your heart. First allow him to touch your heart. Jeremiah chapter 17. And verse 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things. You don't have to look anywhere. Just put your hand on your chest and say the most deceitful thing in the world is right here. Above all things. The most deceitful. It is not passive in Hebrew. It is active. Meaning it's consciously deceiving you. That even when I am speaking, the heart is telling you in a different voice, don't believe everything it says. It can be done in a different way also. I don't have to fast. I don't have to fast. Everybody, of course, even if I don't fast, I will come through. It's forever deceiving. It is active. That's what it means. As Pastor Vijay will tell you in Hebrew, that is from the word, from the Hebrew word of deception, you have the word Yaqub. Supplanter. Meaning God says something, that fellow will supplant it. Supplanter. God's word says something, otherwise you will never go out of this church the way you come. You will grieve for the things God grieve for. You will be excited about the things. When it is not is happening, it means in your heart it has been supplanted. It has been supplanted. Why? Because you have this thing in your heart which is deceitful above all things. Above all things. Do you know in simple English what it means? The Holy Spirit will write in my heart and in my mind. He'll put his finger there. Do you know what it simple means? I cannot trust my heart or my mind. That's what it simply means. I will not trust my heart. I will not trust my intellect. That is what it means to walk by faith. I put faith above my understanding, my intellect, above my heart. Because I cannot trust my heart. I cannot trust my mind. Because it deceives For everything that pertains to life comes from the heart. My heart is deceitful above all things. I will not trust my heart. And I will not trust my mind. That's what it means. So when you say humbling, you're humbling underneath the word of God, the voice of God. Faith comes. If you are not able to generate faith, God is not able to generate faith. It's because you are lifting your mind and your heart above the word of God and the voice of God. But when you humble yourself and you allow the Holy Spirit to touch you there and he speaks and you say, yes, Lord, you are right, I am wrong. What do you want me to do? Jeremiah 17, verse 30, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. He says, don't even do an introspection. Don't even try an psychoanalysis. It won't work because the heart will tell you you are okay. And the mind will tell you you are smart. Don't even try it. Oh, during this fasting season, I'm going to search. Don't search. God says you will not find anything until I show you. Allow me to search your heart. Allow me to search your mind. I will tell you what's wrong with your heart and with your mind. That is what it means. Humble, Chronicle 7.14, we don't have to go. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves, pray and seek. What are they seeking? Lord, search my heart. Search my mind. I don't want to do it. I'll always give a past report. I'll give me distinction. That's why you feel so good about yourself. Self-esteem. 
I'm good. My prayer life is fine. My church life is fine. My spiritual walk with God is fine. God says, who told you? Did I tell you? This is not condemnation. Please don't misunderstand me. God is saying, the entire purpose of salvation is that you would walk with me. Only God can. When you don't allow. Look at the result of the last days. Second Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11. Did I give it? No? Okay, you can live it. Because they did not receive the love of the truth. Okay. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, one reason, because they did not receive the love of truth. When the finger of God came and touched them, went through God's finger, Stephen spoke to them and touched them. You stiff-necked people, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. They gnashed their teeth. A little later, another Pharisee. Why do you harass my people? Harass me. Saul, Saul. Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth immediately humbled himself. They allowed the spirit to write, what do you want me to do? Both are Pharisees. One did not allow the finger to touch them. They resisted it, gnashed their teeth. The other man, fell on his knees and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said, I will tell you. And you know what? Throughout his life, God kept writing on his heart. And we have his letters. It became his life. Don't resist. Assist the Holy Spirit. The things that you hear from the pulpit, which you know is from scripture, don't resist it. Because you know what? Because they did not receive that love of the truth, the finger of the Holy Spirit, for this reason. What reason? For this reason. Not because you murdered. Not because you committed fornication. Not because you stole. Not because you lied. But because you wouldn't allow the finger of God to write in your heart. For this reason. What did God do? God will send them a strong, strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What is the lie that you are saved? And you are not saved. The Spirit of God is not writing in your heart. How are you saved? Because He is your witness that you are saved. It's not what I did. It's what is within. That's my witness. The Spirit of God. He's my witness. For I have been sealed for the day of redemption by the Spirit. How do I know? Because He is the finger of God. He writes. He touches Unpleasant areas. Not in one day. Little by little by little by little. We saw that yesterday. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 22, 23 and Exodus 23. We saw that yesterday. If you, if you, if you have the time because you're all busy people to listen to the Q&A on a Saturday evening, you're so busy because your mind is elsewhere. I'm being deliberately sarcastic. People from US to Australia, to the caves in Afghanistan, to all over Middle East, have the time to listen. Why are you so busy? Because mind is elsewhere. What does it say? Do we have it? Yeah. Um, if you don't have it, it's fine. It's, it's a pattern is in the Old Testament. You know what God says? Little by little. Little by little. Little by little. I won't give you the land the whole, in one year. 
No, not in one year. He says, little by little. You have been made perfect. He is sanctifying you little by little by little. He's writing on your heart. Yes, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Reread it. Read it in our terms, New Testament. Little by little, I drive out every sin in your life until Christ has increased and you have possessed the very life of Christ. But you have to allow him to write. That's a new covenant. It's a war. It's a battle. It's a war. It's a battle. And that is those who overcame the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they were absolutely, totally committed to this. No looking back. No turning back. We are committed to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and through me. That's what God is talking about. Only God can do that. In Psalm 139, 23, 24, we looked at it yesterday, last night. Search me, O God, and no man. This is why God loved this man. He knows how close he was to God and how terribly he fell. He says, you know, Lord, I will not trust my heart anymore. Search my heart. Know my heart. Search me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me. Because when I look, I look good. But I am absolutely sure I am not good. Because he still has things to show in my life. Would you please search my heart? Would you please search my heart? That's what we spend this season for. Not eating goodies. But allowing God to search our hearts. Because the times are difficult. Spiritually, if your eyes are open, you know we are entering into terrible times, even in this nation. Laws being changed left, right and center. There is no opposition in this country. No opposition in this country. No voice for anybody. All around the world, the same thing is happening. No voice. How are you going to survive? And hold on to your faith. Allow the Holy Spirit to write so that he can fill you, he can empower you, that you can be steadfast in your faith until you settle. And see if there is any. It's Charles Finney, I said it yesterday, Charles Finney, who said, if God were to reveal the state of our heart in one go, we will die of a heart attack. Because it's absolutely, not only filthy, it's absolutely demonic. If God were to take our heart spiritually and show it and see it infested with serpents and scorpions and demonic, we will see, this is who I am. That's why he shows it little by little by little by little by little. Cleanses you out. So don't get settled until he settles you. Don't get complacent about this. Don't get complacent. Don't do an introspection. You'll get it wrong. Allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts. Lord, please show me. I know certain things and I dislike it. Help me. But I know there is just the tip of the iceberg. I know there are so many other things. What he told Israel, there are seven nations greater than you. In the land you are going to possess. And I will drive them all out. Seven is the number of perfection. There is seven different.
demonic nations in my hand. Complete, total captivity and depravity. Drive it out, O Lord. You made me perfect. Now clean me out. One sacrifice. But I am not what I think I am. That's why Paul Caesar says, worst of sinners, least of saints. And Job, the righteous man in the Old Testament, genuinely righteous man, when he had the final encounter with God and says, I abhor myself. What did he say? How many chapters he defended himself? And every word he said was true and it was good. But when he saw the state of his heart, what did he say? I abhor myself and I repent in ashes. This is who I am. If God were to show us who we are, we wouldn't take this salvation lightly. He would be serious. And he will not condemn you if you let him. He will write gently in your heart, in your mind. And he will give you the grace to become. You can't do this on your strength. It's God who said, I will go before you and I will drive those nations. You think you're fighting? He says, no, I am fighting for you. I will drive out these nations. God, you will say, you think you're fasting. He says, my grace. Your fasting hasn't changed anything. Your praying hasn't changed anything. Your seeking hasn't changed anything. Your turning away hasn't changed anything. I heard. I forgave. And I heal. It's I who do it. It's not you. But you have to do these things. But healing comes from God. Restoration comes from God. That is the grace of God. That's the Bible came. When he came, he came with the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. And out of that grace, we received blessing after. The Spirit of God comes out of that fullness, writes one truth. Then he gives us the grace for anger. That is in me. He gives the grace of Christ to be humble, to be meek. Replaces one with the other. From short-tempered to long-suffering, he replaces it. Grace upon grace. Because in English we call this all graces, virtues. He does it. But first he has to show it before you would want it. From laziness to a spirit of hard work. From sloth, he replaces it. It's not easy, but he does. But he wants your will and your cooperation. Moving from depression to rejoicing in the spirit. Always. Rejoice, I tell you, and again I tell you. Man lying in prison in chains. No depression. No discouragement. Coward in joy. If you were to ask him in heaven, when you were a Pharisee under the law, were you happy? He was a miserable man. And after Christ, I learned what joy was. Did you trouble, did you suffer as a Pharisee or as a Christian? Only as a Christian. As a Pharisee, it was no trouble. So when we turn, when we turn, we humble ourselves. We confess. I told you. We have to confess. Confession is a very important part of Christian life. In Psalm 38, here is the man of God, David. O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, your hand presses me down. Outwardly, if you look, is there anything happening? No. 
This is all happening inside. And in his body, he's sick. It's happening in his body. He's sick. I don't want to mention his sickness. Let us leave it alone. But he's sick. It's there in the sun. Go home and read it. I don't want to embarrass David if he's listening from heaven. Okay. Nobody sees this. But the finger of God is touching him. For your arrows pierce me deeply. Your hand presses me down. Man after my own heart. Pressing him down. Change. Change. Your life, you think, is for your generation. Your life is for all generations. You have to change. Because your throne is the throne of my son. Your throne will be called the throne of David. It's an eternal throne. I'm not going to let off you easily. Verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. Unconfessing, 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 unconfessing. Now the iniquities are going over my head. It's going over your head. Press down. You didn't confess. You didn't confess. You didn't confess. That's what we all do. We don't confess. We don't confess. We don't know. We justify, 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 justify. Now it's going. The weight is too much. And ultimately what happens? You get depressed. You're on antidepressants. You go to the mental hospital. You go to the psychiatrist. You fill yourself full of power. You're watching movies non-stop. You're eating. Not all signs of depression. Depression flows out in different people in different ways. If you're overeating, you're depressed. If you're watching movies all the time, you're depressed. If you're on your phone all the time, you're depressed. If you're angry all the time, you're depressed. It doesn't come out the same way. It comes out in different ways. If you're not able to hear the word of God at all, your mind tunes off, you're depressed. You're oppressed. Because your iniquities have gone over you. It is not anymore. It is so high, it has gone over you. That's what he's saying. My iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Why did you carry it so long, David? Didn't I tell you confess? Saying the same thing to us. Why are you carrying it so long? I like Pastor Vijay's. Keep short accounts with God. It's a spiritual man. It's on us. We have to confess. If you confess... He is faithful. He's always faithful. If you confess, what does he say? Verse 5. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I trusted my heart. I trusted my mind. Ultimate result was foolishness and I am sick in my body. I am sick in my soul. Could you please heal me? If my people who are called by name, you may not be sick in your body, but you could be absolutely sick in your mind and soul. That's why we need healing. By his wounds we are healed. You don't have to do anything. Just confess and believe for your healing because he's paid the price. You don't have to pay the price. Isaiah came after David. David cannot say, by his wounds I am healed. We can say, Isaiah says, by his wounds, you are healed. Peter says, by his wounds, we were healed. Past. You have to humble before God. 
You have to humble before God. You have to go before God and ask, what's the problem, Lord? What's my problem? Why am I like this? Why I can't think straight? Why is there no joy about your things? Why is there no excitement? Why don't I grieve about the things that you grieve? Why I am not able to enjoy the life of Christ when you say, I have come to give you life. Now look in the word of God. Your life is different and I don't have it. Why don't I have that life, Lord? That I always upon, dependent upon people or things to keep me occupied. And I'm not occupied with you. Because I need healing. Because my iniquities have gone over me. And God says, confess. 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 Vertical. With God. Confess. In some cases, that's not enough. Because we just didn't sin against God. We sinned against man. So God says, in some cases, there is a horizontal confession. So most difficult. Honestly, most difficult. James chapter 5, just 13 to 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Don't call others to pray. You pray first. If you haven't prayed, don't call me. Don't call Pastor Vijay. Don't call my wife. First you pray. Then call us. We'll pray. Don't outsource your prayer. Don't do that. Because it will not work. Even if the most anointed man prays, God says, why are you praying for them? They don't pray for themselves. If they are not bothered about their suffering, why are you bothered about their suffering? That's why Jesus asked this funny questions to a man who is sitting paralyzed for 30 years. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? If you are not bothered about your own sin and your trouble, if any man is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. What? Hindi melodious songs. No, Psalms. God says, I will tell you what kya hai. Let. Jab mere ungli aajayega, tupko batayenge tera hiddil mein kya hai. Not those songs. Sing what? God knows us very well. So he put the right, right, right. Paul, 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 Paul. James, James, write Psalms. Otherwise they sing Hindi songs and Telugu songs. Bollywood, Hollywood. Write Psalms over there. Otherwise, there will be some crook in the church who will say, God only said sing. He said, no, I said sing Psalms. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call. You see, faith without works is dead. Faith is not an idea. There is an action involved. If you are suffering, you pray. If you are happy, you sing. If you are sick, you call. For the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. How will he be forgiven? Verse 15. 16. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. Sometimes, for healing in your soul, healing in your body, you need to horizontally confess. Otherwise, your iniquities will go over your head. I'm not saying you'll be lost, but you will lose everything in heaven. As the word of God says, you will just make it through the fire. Just make it through the fire. 
So God says, confess. Confess. Don't let it go over your head. Don't wait for You see it going up, up, up. Don't wait till then. Get rid of that junk. Get rid of it. Come before me. Confess. And the Holy Spirit will tell you whom to confess. Don't do it on emotions. Because sometimes confessing to people outside his will, outside his time can be very dangerous. So you don't have to worry about any of things. You have a spirit, the Father with you, who will tell you who to confess, when to confess, how to confess. But one, you don't have to worry with all your heart. You don't have to worry, he will not condemn you. Second, he will not whisper it to anybody else. He will not immediately kill him mobile. Did you hear what I said? He will never do that. Let me tell you, God, his son, or the spirit, is not a gossip. Your sins are not only absolutely safe with him, it's forgotten. I remember them no more. You are the one who goes and keep repenting the same sins over and over again after he has forgiven. He says, why are you coming back with the same thing? I have forgotten. You are reminding me every day. At least come and tell me some new things. Vigil is laughing. So there is a vertical humbling. And there is a horizontal humbling. If my people who are called by my name. Horizontal humbling is the most difficult. Especially for us men. Very difficult. Guilty. How many of us men say sorry to our wives? Don't have to laugh. I'm not asking for a raised arm. So let my hand be all up. It's very difficult. He says the closest, right? How many of us men tell I'm sorry to our wives? Very difficult. Wives will say, you should. Men, very difficult. I'm not saying all women are automatically say sorry. I'm not saying that. There are some women who are even more stiff-necked than men will never say sorry. I'm not saying. I'm not making you feel good. I'm making them feel bad. <laughs> because they feel bad, don't feel good. Think about it. This, this horizontal humbling is so difficult. Confess your sins to one another. Healing takes place. Healing takes place. That's what it says. That's how Adam and Eve walked in healing in the garden and pure pink of health. You know why? Because they were naked and not ashamed. They had nothing. I'm not saying Adam did not say anything or Eve did. Sorry, honey. Sorry. Open. Can actually walk in healing in your homes. Say, Lord, 2022. I want to walk in healing. I want to walk in health. I want to walk in health. You know what? With you, absolutely. And with man, as you lead, I will walk in healing. When you do that, grace is given. Grace is given to the humble. Confess to God. Confess to man. Why? I need healing. I need healing for my body. Because if your body is not healed, eat 
takes away your time and your attention. Everything changes in your life. Morning, this many pills. Afternoon, this many. Evening. Then doctor says, because you are taking this, don't eat this in the morning. And because you are taking this in the afternoon, don't eat this. Eat this, but this I don't like at all. Then he says, eat this early and then don't eat this. Your whole life changes. That is not the way God intended us to be. That's not the way. I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you. Say, Lord. Lord, you know what, Lord? I want healing for my body. And I want even more healing for my soul. Because if your mind is sick, you will never hear from God. And if you hear from God, you will warp it into something else. God will say something and he will run away in another direction. I need healing in my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions need healing, Lord. We're talking about will last night. Somebody asked a question from Australia. Threefold sanctification. I need healing, Lord. Because I need to hear. When you do that, you resist the enemy. You are now able to resist the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Do you get it? See, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, when the Passover is instituted, they had to kill the Lamb, take the blood in a, in a basin, it was pointless. You could keep it there. Nothing happens to you. You had to take the hyssop and dip it. And verse 22 says, you know what? The blood that you... The strike is the definitive action. You strike. Faith is not an idea. It's a definite action. And stay under the blood. Stay behind the blood. It's an action. Faith is an action word. It's not a theological word to sit there and discuss. You do what the word of God tells you to do. You do what the voice of the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And you will see the result. And you keep on doing it. Because sometimes results take a little time to come from the heavenly to the, to the earthly. It's an action. So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, meaning the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, agreed. Ephesians 1.7 Because the blood is my defense. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What is the first thing you say? Tell the devil. Once you have confessed before God, you tell the devil, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Strike. Your confession matters. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed. Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Are you redeemed? How are you redeemed? I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. I am redeemed by the blood. The accuser come. The one who brings condemnation comes. The one who brings discouragement comes. The one who brings anxiety comes. The one who comes to destroy, to kill, to eat, to devour. You tell him, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 When he comes back, tell him, I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Your second confession. I am not only redeemed, I am forgiven. By the blood of Jesus. 
I don't listen to anything you say. You will not mess up with my feelings or my thoughts. The word of God says, I am redeemed by the blood and I am forgiven by the blood. 1 John 1 7. If you walk in the light and is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I have made my vertical confession. I have done my horizontal confession and the blood of Jesus is continuously cleaning because as I walk in the light, the darkness is showing but the blood is continually cleaning me. The blood of Jesus is cleansing me. It has redeemed me. It has forgiven me. It is continuously cleansing me. That's how they overcome. Because the devil has no answer to the blood of Jesus because it was the blood of Jesus that defeated him. It has to be your confession. That's why we are trying to give you easy to Rome. Probably we'll make bookmarks of all these three. The divine exchange and the identification and your confession about the blood so that you take it out, walk in the light and you keep confessing it and you will see the difference that happens. and Walk in obedience. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having been justified by the blood of Jesus. I am justified by the blood of Jesus. What does it mean? It is not just forgiven. Just as if I have never sinned. I have a right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am continuously being cleansed. And I am justified by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. I am made holy, set apart continuously by the blood of Jesus. By one sacrifice he made them perfect who are being sanctified. How does he sanctify me? He sanctifies me through his word and he sanctifies through me through his blood. Through disciples who walked with him, he told them, you are already clean because of the word. But then when he died, his blood sanctified them. These are our confessions. We all need to learn what we need to confess because the enemy of our soul, the lion who comes to steal, to kill, to devour, you can't just give in without a fight. And if you fight, you never have to give in. That's what the word of God says in 1 John 5, 6. He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, that is the word of God, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. He came with the word and the word cleansed his disciples, but that was not enough. They could not be sanctified without the blood. And the spirit of God, which is given in you and me, and the spirit is truth. He witnesses and tell him, tell the devil. The blood of Jesus has redeemed you. Tell the devil, the blood of Jesus has forgiven you. Tell the devil, the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. Tell the devil with your mouth. You speak it out. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Open your mouth and speak. Speak. All this a part of your salvation. Tell, tell, tell. The blood of Jesus that sanctifies me. These are the weapons of a warfare. They are not carnal. They are mighty in God. To pull him down of strongholds. The strongholds of the enemy. Age old strongholds. Come down generation to generation. Are pulled down by the blood of Jesus. Because by one sacrifice. The blood of Jesus. The one sacrifice. He made them perfect. Who are being sanctified. And that's what the blood of Jesus does. Not only that. 
Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, the most supposedly holy man, the high priest, trembled to enter once a year into the holy of holies. God says, you know what? I can come boldly into his presence. What gives me boldness? The blood of Jesus. So you need to say, the blood of Jesus, you devil, the blood of Jesus makes me bold. I have boldness. I have boldness. I'm not a wolf. I'm not a wuss. I'm not timid. I'm not afraid because the blood of Jesus gives me boldness. It not only gives me boldness, it gives me access to the holy of holies, to the throne room of grace, to the very presence of God. I have access. That's why God says in Hebrews 4.16, come boldly, confidently through the throne room of grace and receive mercy. Why does he say you can come boldly? What gives you and me boldness? The blood of Jesus. I'm not coming by my blood. I'm not coming by my righteousness. I'm not coming by my works. I'm coming by his atonement. I am coming. His blood, his life, his righteousness, his work gives me boldness. God says, come boldly. I love those kind of people. I love those kind of people. Come through the blood of my son. Nobody will stop you. No angel will stop you. No power of darkness can stop you. No power in heaven will stop you because you will get a rich welcome when you come through the blood because the blood gives you boldness. These are truths. And we live by those truths. We live by these truths. We'll skip the Chronicles part. We'll go to Psalm. 45 and verse 1. He is our role model. He is our head. My heart is overflowing with a good, with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. The psalmist is ready to write. Do you know what he writes in verse 2? You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Jesus was not blessed forever because he was God's own only begotten son. But he was blessed because he knew how to use the grace of God. And grace poured upon his lips. And if grace was poured upon our lips, God of the covenant says, grace is poured upon your lips. I give more grace to the humble. More grace to the humble. And it will pour out of your lips. Thanksgiving, with praise, with boldness, and you will confess. Your confession will change. Your life will change. Your attitudes will change. Because you are becoming somebody. You are not doing anything under the law, under coercion. So can I have the first slide? And we shall repeat. All of you can sit there and repeat. So that he was punished so that I could be forgiven. Say it. He was wounded that I could be healed. He became sin that I would become his righteousness. He was cursed that I would be blessed with his spirit. He tasted death so that I would receive eternal life. He became poor that I would have an abundance to do everything he wants me to do. He became, he was rejected so that I could be accepted. 
he endured shame that I would receive his glory and virtue. That's our confession. Second one. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was made alive with him. I was raised with him. I was seated with him. Hebrews 4.11. Now what the word of God said. Then we'll come to the third slide. What Hebrews 4.11 says. You therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest. Every day get in vertical, horizontal, put it right and learn to sit down. It's not easy. Learn to sit down in Christ Jesus. Get your life, let your confession in order. I am not sitting because of anything that I did. I'm sitting on based on what he has done. I will be seated. Sit down. You have to labor to sit. That's not what happens in real life. You labor in everything except to sit. But God's in the spiritual realm. You have to labor because everything in you is telling, run, do, 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 do. God says, sit down. My son has done it all. Believe it. And stand on his righteousness and confess it. Got it? And then Ephesians, chapter 6, 11, 13, 14. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. You don't sit before the devil, you stand. Not because you respect him, because you're getting ready to give him one. You can't sit and kick somebody, you have to stand up. Verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And verse 14, stand. So stand please. Let's have the third slide. I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. We'll add the name also. You devil, I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Devil, I have been justified by the blood of Jesus. Devil, I have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I have been given boldness because of the blood of Jesus. And if you want, you can do that. I have access to the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Jesus. You don't have, I have. I have. I have. I have. They overcame him. Blood of the Lamb. And by the word of the testimony. One more verse and we shall pray. Hebrews 12 and word. You can stand. 12.24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things. You know, you confess the blood. The blood confesses you. You confess the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus speaks better things about you. It's not an ordinary man's blood. It's the blood of God's own son. Life is in the blood and that life speaks That blood says, forgiven, justified, redeemed, cleansed, sanctified, bold as a lion. Come into the Father's presence. The blood speaks for you. Don't take your salvation lightly. This is why it is called a complete salvation. If you ignore such a great salvation, you will not ignore it. Amen? Let's pray. 
Father, this morning, I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Spirit of God, I pray. I pray. He will write this in our hearts, all of us, Lord. We confess. We have filled our hearts and minds with a lot of junk. And you've been struggling to write in our hearts and our minds. We plead guilty. We have no excuses. We had the time, the language, the resources. We had it all. But we neglected that salvation. We confess. Forgive us, Lord. Pray, Lord, supernaturally. Keep cleansing our minds and our hearts. And start writing on our minds and our hearts. Your word, your law, your will for us. Teach us your ways. Write it, Lord. Your paths. Write it in our hearts. Because what's written in our hearts will never be forgot. It will always come out of our mouth. You write it, Spirit of God. You write it. You write it, Spirit of God. You write it. You touch us. With your finger, you touch of the things we need to get rid of. You do it, Lord. You do it. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You do not come to condemn us. We don't want to be stiff-necked. We don't want to be called uncircumcised in the heart who resists the devil. We want to be called humble who bend their necks before God. Whose hearts are uncircumcised. In whose hearts and minds you can write freely, Lord. We welcome you, Spirit of God. We welcome you to write in our hearts, in our minds, and to ordain our lives, O Lord. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. We just want to thank you, Lord. What a God. You are not satisfied with giving us the gift of your son. You gave us the gift of your spirit too. You gave us your everything. Your son and your spirit. All we can say is, Lord, pour your grace upon our lips that we will walk truly in thanksgiving and in praise like your son walked, Lord. Pour your grace upon all our lips, Lord, that we will enter your courts with thanksgiving. And your gates with praise. And we will have access to the throne always. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people in your name. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious unto us. May we have always peace in every situation. Bless every individual, every family, every little one. May the blessings of God be there upon them. And as they go through these weeks and the year, let it pursue them and overtake them, O Lord. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We are blessed. Our spouses are blessed. Our children are blessed. Our household is blessed because the God of all blessing and all grace dwells in and with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory, the honor, the power. It's all yours, Lord. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.